the witches reel. This is the song that the North Berwick witches sang as they danced. Cumr was a Scottish word for addressing a woman, particularly a witch. Cumr go ye before, cumr go ye. If ye will na go before, cumr let me ring, ring, widdishins, linkin' lithely widdishins. Cumr callin' crone and queen, round we go. Cumr go ye before, cumr go ye. If ye will na go before, cumr let me ring, ring, widdishins, loopin' lightly widdishins, kilted coats and fleeing hair, three times three. Cumr go ye before, cumr go ye. If ye will na go before, cumr let me ring, ring, widdishins, whirlin' skirlin' widdishins, and they'll take the hindermost, whoe'er she be. This episode of the Modern Witch Podcast is brought to you by Horticulture, a premier online event celebrating green magic in all its forms. This year, we have live and downloadable workshops by international best-selling authors and plant magic aficionados like Aaron Murphy-Hiscock, Juliet Diaz, Eva Dominguez Jr., Amy Blackthorne, Kobe Michael, Jesse Hathaway-Diaz, and me, Devin Hunter. Attendees get access to a private year-long Discord server, a digital grimoire featuring over 10 hours of additional bonus content from our presenters, and VIP access to the rare and magical plant marketplace. Horticulture happens April 23rd and 24th, with part of the proceeds benefiting the Nature Conservancy. Whether you're into herbs and the poison path, sacred gardening and ecology, rewilding your indoor space, or just want to meet other green magicians to share tips and cuttings, Horticulture is for you. Find out more at horticulture.com. That's H-O-R-T-O-C-C-U-L-T-U-R-E.com or modernwitch.com. And act now. Early bird tickets are available only until March 20th. Horticulture, a celebration of green magic in all its forms. April 23rd and 24th, presented by Modern Witch. What is that? A little bag made from the skin of a toad. Does it matter? She, she's tampering in dioxided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter. And welcome back to the Modern Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Hunter. I uh, I do want to apologize about not dropping an episode last week. I was in bed with my allergies. It was it was like suddenly the floodgates of pollen opened and just splooshed all over me. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. But I feel better this week. Uh, and so here we are with a new episode, and I think you're going to like this one. This one's with Keldon Mercury, and we talk about traditional witchcraft and kind of fielding some of the uh, the mistakes and, and the, the hiccups that come when you are working with spirits and the witch's sabbat and so on and so forth. So it's a pretty good episode. I think you'll dig it. I will say this is a like a micro version of the episode the the macro version if you will is available for the modern witch patreon uh subscribers so if you want to hear the whole thing uh you should definitely go and check that out i will say uh if you are catching this live as in like right when it comes out um the tickets for horticulture are still available for about another week so definitely go check that out that now we kept um the early bird ticket prices just kind of throughout and so yeah go check that out it would be very very cool to have you with us there's a really nice crowd of people and we've got some great teachers so i think you're gonna like it speaking of teaching um i'm partnering with nicholas pearson and we're doing a crystal magic boot camp in august uh that is going to kind of line up with the release of crystal magic for the modern witch uh which is just freaking cool oh my goodness i i got to see some of the layout and i'm just like i i don't even know folks it's amazing so i'm really looking forward to sharing that with you and i'm looking forward to uh, seeing what y'all have to say. Uh, but anyway, so Nicholas and I are teaming up. We're going to do this Crystal Magic Boot Camp. The whole goal of the boot camp, I mean, there's a lot of them, but the whole goal of the boot camp is to not only 
get you to a place where you feel like 1000% confident with what you're doing with your crystals, but also to help you summon, if you will, a crystal familiar. So that is um, some really fun stuff that I didn't get to dive too much into in the book. So we thought, hey, we are going to bring this front and center uh, for the boot camp. So if you want to join us, we're going to be doing this crystal magic or this crystal magic intensive, um, and I think it's going to be really really fun. Uh, it's going to be off the hook. So anyway, you just go to modernwitch.com and you can find all of the info there under events. I also posted the calendar and the schedule for events for Modern Witch, all of the Modern Witch things, Patreon and non, um, for the next couple of months. It's all there on modernwitch.com, so go check it out. Okay, once again, my name is Devin Hunter. You are listening to The Modern Witch Podcast, and we will be right back after this break. Where's something... Black. So anyway, I'm super excited about having you on the show. It's like way long overdue. Well, it's it's happening, and that's what's important. And that is what is important. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, well, I wanted you to come on the show for a long time because I specifically, um, I love to talk about, obviously, witchcraft, but, like, specifically, one of the things that keeps coming up over and over and over again in discussions with people is, like, traditional witchcraft. Like, what the fuck is traditional witchcraft exactly? And it's actually kind of funny because... I had my own definition and I thought that was just everybody's definition. And then I start talking to people and no, everyone really kind of has their own definition of what that looks like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm just curious about your thoughts on this because you write a lot about it. Obviously you are connected to what I think are like some of the core, you know, theories, principles, practices, when we think of quote unquote traditional witchcraft. So you're like the perfect person to just kind of like throw this at what the fuck is traditional witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, traditional witchcraft um, is really an umbrella term for a collection of witchcrafts that are non-Wiccan. And and that itself can kind of become murky territory. But essentially, these are non-Wiccan forms of witchcraft that are influenced by and inspired by folklore. Um, and there's sort of there's sort of these three key elements that that I often refer to that make up this practice. Um, and, and you could argue too, I mean, just witchcraft in general, it's working with magic. And specifically within traditional witchcraft, you're often coming across operative forms of folk magic. Um, you will find people utilizing more ceremonial practices, but I would say by and large, it's more common that you're gonna find folk magic being used. The second element is working with the other world. So working with a host of different spirits, both in our physical world and traveling into the other worlds with practices such as hedge crossing or spirit flight. Um, that's where we get um, the Sabbath comes into play as well. And then the third element is working with the natural landscape and specifically one's own bioregion. So really tapping into the ground underneath your feet, working with local flora and fauna, seasonal patterns, weather patterns, things like that. And those all come together and are are influenced by folklore, the folklore of witchcraft, of magic. Um, as well as a, a deeply animistic worldview as well. I mean, yeah, I think we're on the same page. So good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. No, it's great. Cause you know, there, there really are so many paths, right? I mean, let's just, we'll just call them paths. We'll be, we'll be very loosey goosey with it, but it's it just, it's, it is what it is for me. What I think is like the bread and butter of of tradcraft is the idea and just the concept and working with the witch's sabbat and my experiences with the witch's sabbat have been 
Um, you know, there's some things that I've, I felt very comfortable writing about. There's some things I will never write about. There's some things I wouldn't know how to write about. You know, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of a mixed bag of things. So, you know, for me, I go there and I really, truly do have some trippy, otherworldly experiences. I'm meeting, you know, beast people and other witches and demon thingies and, you know, all of the things, right? It, it just seems to be this nexus place for me to go to, to have a lot of that plugging into the things that I think, you know, make a witch a witch kind of a thing, in my opinion. So um, what are, like, for you, what was that sabbatic experience that shifted your consciousness and, and kind of made you go, oh, this is the, the thing I, I want to do? Like, what was that? Because, you know, for me, like I said, it, it just kind of evolved, but it, we all have such a unique approach to it. And for you, I would imagine something because the way you write, you're very like you're very grounded. You're a very level headed person. So I would imagine something really ha- would have had to like kind of smack you in the face, like really would have had to go in there and kind of change the the dynamic. So I don't know, what was that? Well, I would say that my experience was definitely an evolution as well. Um, I mean, from a very young age, I was encountering spirits of different types and that wasn't, it wasn't really all that abnormal for me. And so sort of eventually evolving into this idea of, um, kind of stepping into other worlds, into other realms, um, just sort of made sense. And and then again, as I started learning more about the history and folklore of witchcraft, and I discovered this concept of the Sabbath, again, it just sort of made sense. It just clicked in my mind that like, oh, like this is the thing that that we're sort of already doing. Um, and, and like you said, and and I talk about this, um, in the new book and I actually, I use the term nexus as well, um, that really, this is a folkloric nexus. Um, When we look at the witch's Sabbath, it really is the coming together of all of these different things that witches were said to do and things that, um, we do today. I mean, of course, not all of them. Some of them are pretty barbaric. Um, but but this is a place where all of these sort of pieces come together. They coalesce. These spirits gather. We as witches gather. And, and it creates this wild, beautiful, ecstatic dancing ground where we find power and gnosis and all of those good things. Okay, so I'm with you on all of this. I like I'm we're we're jamming to the same tune, which is always a good thing. And I, so for me, you you so you said something that really sticks out, and I I always feel like people miss the I don't know I, I don't want to sound like a dick, but I feel like people missed this I don't know part of history class like the like the things that witches were saying they were doing like i guess and of course most of this was under duress and you know there's a million ways to to approach a confession right from a witch during the inquisition or or whatever but those stories of of flying to a mountain of communing with you know a, a being who regardless of i mean because let's be real if you're christian anybody anything that's not like jesus is the devil like it's just period so in those stories and in the and in that context you know when we're thinking about these people going and and communing with the devil in the forest like it could have been any number of spirits it could have been anything it could be you know the dark lord which is great and I, we're, we're good friends um but it could have been anything right and so i think what i what turns me on the most about quote unquote, you know, traditional witchcraft kind of practice is this idea of living in a world of spirits and communing with them and, and really developing your witchcraft based on those relationships and based on what those spirits are telling you. Like that has been for me, I'd say like the, like the single most guiding practice in in my whole life is, is, talking to a spirit, getting information and then acting on it. And I, and, you know, for me, I always feel like, well, that's like, that's what a witch does. This is just a thing. But I realized at some point that that's not everybody's witchcraft. 
you know, like, but that relationship is really important. I wrote about Moloch in my books and, you know, I'm a familiar and, and all these other things that I do. And, and it's really refreshing to have another person who has similar relationships to these things. So I don't mean to be like harping on like your particular experience, but I'm super, I'm super interested. Like, do, do you have a, a set of spirits that like you work with in the same way that like I would work with Moloch as a familiar? Uh, do you work with familiars? Like what's your, what, like, what is your spiritual your spirit, I should say, your spirit relationship work like? Yeah, I work with quite a few different spirits. It's funny because um, I think when you get asked the question like, oh, like, are you a solitary witch? I'm always hesitant to say no, because I sort of think of these these spirits as sort of my collective coven, um, my spirit family. Um, so for me, without, I mean, without going into too much detail, um, I do work with the concept of the witch mother and witch father, um, which is, I think, an often misunderstood um, concept in that um, a lot of times we're looking at them as being sort of like a, a couple, if you will, in the way that that we would look at like the Lord and Lady in Wicca. But in my experience, the witch mother and witch father um, are really working autonomously of of each other. They're they're kind of doing their own thing. Um, and I think that it gets confusing when you're using terms mother and father because I think people want to. That's stick- really that's really interesting. I I never thought of it like that. But I, I do not have that type of, obviously, and I always assumed it because I was gay, honestly, and I never, you know, I, I wasn't going to get down with the great right in the same way. And so yeah. I just kind of rejected that shit. But, but I never really thought about my personal relationship with the, you know, who we would refer to as the divine twins in my tradition um, mm-hmm. as being, because, you know, you're saying they're autonomous from each other. And that's 1000% my experience. I mean, they, mm-hmm. I would say they need each other to exist in my cosmology in the same way that a a coin needs two faces, but it's, Mm -hmm. but they really are different forces and they really are working and have, they have different personalities and they have different wants and they have different things. So that's, that's just a beautiful thing because they do not fuck in my, like in my, (laughs) in my relationship, that is not what they're about. That is not what they, you know, yeah, it's fascinating. And that's exactly it. I mean, they're both creator, um, deities if you will but in their own right not because they're coming together and through sexual copulation they're birthing everything they're birthing things all on their own um you know and and they're also expressing themselves in various ways that you know it it does break outside of gender binary um so anyway, so so I work with them and and I work with kind of specific spirits under those um, those sort of title cards or hold placeholders. Um, I do work with the familiar spirit, um, ancestors, fetch spirit, um, really kind of every everyone in some capacity. The fair folk, um, they all they all come up and play a role in in one way or another in my life. I love, I love when witches talk about their spirits. It's like the coolest thing because so many, I, for, well, cause it's awkward, right? Like it's, it's awkward to talk about the shit that first of all is going on in your head, right? Like that's, that was my biggest thing. And, and I realized a couple of years ago, I just have to like bite the bullet and just accept that. Yes. I know how I sound, right? Like I'm aware that I sound like a crazy person because I'm talking about this thing that's in my, you know, the spirit that for all, you know, is my imaginary friend. You know what I mean? And and so to talk about those things and to have those exchanges, it's it's uncomfortable for people. And it's one of those things that I think is so important to understanding witchcraft. I mean, so just in general, like, well, regardless of your tradition, because one of my theories is and, you know, and I'm not trying to, like, talk smack about any of the, the witches who have come before us or anything. But my theory is that a lot of of witchcraft books were written by people who were more like nerdy and less experiential. So there were more people who they, you know, looked up, you know, what Blavowski wrote about and looked up what Crowley was writing about and then developed theories and practices kind of based off of that. And then you have the people who were led by spirit to go and develop a practice and and a craft. And and I, I think it's a, 
it's a shame because I, I, there there's not a, a lot of those people, right? There's more of group A than there are group B. And if you just look at the history of witchcraft, it's a lot of talking, you know, it's a lot more talking and it's a lot more um, uh, like the books, like even like I was, I was just reading, uh, I think it was Kabbalah by Doreen Fortune, which is not a traditional witchcraft book at all, but it, it like, she spends most of the time talking about other authors, like, cause that's how they would communicate back then. And we just don't do that now. So I just find it all very interesting that so much of what is considered to be witchcraft these days is so void of mediumship is so void of, of necromancy and is so void of, of just any sort of relationship with, with spirit, with the spirit world in general, right? It's, it's very clean and this is how you do it. And here's the formula, but nobody understands why, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a tricky thing because I've had teachers like that, that were very like, Oh no, you want to get this book and you want to read it. And that's been very beneficial. Don't get me wrong. Everybody listening at home. I, we love that, right? Like we need that, but we also need that, element of the craft that is talked about by people who do have those experiences, who do have those relationships. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote about the shit that I wrote about. That's one of the reasons why I really appreciate your books. Um, and there's a couple of other, of, you know, of, there are a couple of other authors out there that are doing the, you know, similar kind of work, but there aren't a lot of us out there, Kelvin, like who are talking about having a relationship with the spirit world um, in a very organic, natural sense. What do you think are the the things that are keeping people from like leaning in on this, like as a practice? Like, what are the things that that maybe are blocks that people have created around the idea of talking to spirits and having relationships with spirits, um, and you know, developing that? Like, you know, a lot a lot of people talk to the spirits of the land. How are you going to live somewhere and not know the spirits there? Like, what is that about? There are these blocks. What do you think those blocks are? I think the biggest block is our tendency to overcomplicate things. And, and I would say that this is true for working magic in general, but I think we go in with these high expectations. Um, and I think a lot of maybe insecurity as well. I mean, part of it and part of what I think you were talking about is, you know, the subjectivity of all of this. And we'll never really know, you know, like I can never truly know exactly what your experience is with spirits and you can never truly know mine. Um, and so we kind of just have to go off what the other person is saying. And if the people around us maybe are presenting something, um, in a certain way, and then that's not how we're experiencing it, we might doubt ourselves. You might feel like I'm not doing it right. Um, you know, for me, the voice of spirit comes through my mind. And you're right, I think that is sort of a, um, a maybe misunderstood or kind of scary thing to talk about because people, people perceive that in a certain way, right? Like you're hearing a voice in your head, um, you know, so either like, are you experiencing some form of psychosis or is this just your imagination? Um, so I think we, we overcomplicate things. We have overblown expectations. Um, and I think people kind of psych themselves out, especially when it comes to working with spirits. Um, they feel like maybe this is, this is dangerous or it's so far out of my, out of the realm of my skill set that I don't even know how to get started. Um, and while certainly working with spirits is not always safe, um, you know, I don't think that if you, if you start to, you know, to take steps on the path to forming relationships, relationships with spirits, like, you know, you're suddenly gonna, you know, have paranormal activity um, happening in your house and, and paranormal activity re referring to the movie, not, um, you know, something really big, awful happening to you. Um, but for me, I think it's just start talking, you know, like if it's the, if it's the spirits of the land that you're looking to form a relationship with, just start talking, working with spirits, in my opinion, is like working with people. Uh, it's all about open communication, boundary setting, and, and you do that just the same way you would do that with a friend in the physical world. Um, so I think we overcomplicate things. I would say that's like the biggest roadblock is just yeah. overthinking 
things like that. I'm, I'm totally, I totally agree. I absolutely. I, I, I spend so much time in the beginning of my workshops and classes with people when we're talking about mediumship and spirit work and, and just going over experiences in their lives where they actually already have had like spirit experiences and probably didn't know it. Um, because it, when you can relate it to, you know, something that just kind of naturally organically happened to you at some point in your life, it's to me, it, it's way easier to, to help kind of guide somebody into rediscovering that again. And, you know, it's kind of like just familiarizing yourself with the quote, like, like a frequency so you can tune into it again later. Um, because that is always everybody's thing, right? Like they, they, it, it, to me, just because I, do what I do, you know, and I'm, I'm, I, I feel like the world is full of spirits, like we're swimming in them. And so it's, it's, it's weird to me when people have like this, they build up this huge thing to go communicate with the spirit. I'm like, it's really not that hard. And it's not just because I'm a medium that I'm telling this to you. I'm, it's not that hard. You do it all the time. Spirits are talking to you all the time. You just aren't aware of it. And, and it's about just, you know, easing that pressure off yourself and kind of understanding and recognizing like, Hey, you've done this before, you know, and chances are you're going to do this just organically again in the future, but wouldn't it be way better if you had control over it and you could do it on, at will, like, right. Like that's, that's way better. Um, but that's always, and then, you know, waiting for the phenomena to happen, I, I think is like a big thing, like waiting for a spirit to like knock on your wall before you feel that you're having a valid you know, experience itself. And like, well, that's not going to happen all the time. In fact, I, you know, in my, I think it only happened a couple of times, you know, and two of those times weren't even me, you know, me doing it or me doing it. It was me observing somebody else's doing stuff. So, you know, it's this, it's this expectation that things are going to turn into something maybe that they're not, or yeah, yeah. I'm totally with you. You're, you're again, yes, we're, we're, we're jamming to the same song here. I feel like, and I, that's why I think I like your work so much. Cause I'm like, this dude knows what the fuck he's talking about. Um, so <laughs> yeah. By a route obscure and lonely haunted by ill angels only when an Eidolon named knight on a black throne reigns upright. I have reached these lands, but newly from an ultimate dim thule from a wild weird climb that lieth sublime out of space out of time bottomless vales and boundless floods and chasms and caves and titan woods with forms that no man can discover for the tears that drip all over mountains topping evermore into seas without a shore Seas that restlessly aspire, surging unto skies of fire. Lakes that endlessly outspread their lone waters, lone and dead. Their still waters, still and chilly, with the snows of the lolling lily. By the lakes that thus outspread their lone waters, lone and dead. Their sad waters, sad and chilly, with the snows of the lolling lily. By the mountains near the river, murmuring lowly, murmuring ever. By the grey woods, by the swamp, where the toad and the newt encamp. By the dismal tarns and pools, where dwell the ghouls. By each spot the most unholy, in each nook most melancholy. There the traveller meets aghast, sheeted memories of the past. Shrouded forms that start and sigh as they pass the wanderer by. White-robed forms of friends long given in agony to the earth and heaven. For the heart whose woes are legion, tis a peaceful, soothing region. For the spirit that walks in shadow, tis, oh, tis an Eldorado. But the traveller travelling through it may not, dare not, openly view it. Never its mysteries are exposed to the weak human eye unclosed. So wills its king who hath forbid the uplifting of the fringed lid. And thus the sad soul that here passes beholds it, but through darkened glasses, by a route obscure and lonely, 
haunted by ill angels only, where an Eidolon named Night on a black throne reigns upright, I have wandered home but newly from this ultimate dim fuley. The world is full of magic, and here at Datura Trading Company, we take that sort of thing seriously. Let's check on Jimmy as he enters his seventh hour of assembling his new IKEA cabinet. Go in your hole. What's wrong, Jimmy? You seem stressed. I have been trying to get this assembled all day, and I have a big meeting in the morning, and I'm pretty sure my boss has been bitten by a werewolf. Wait, what? Your boss is turning into a monster? Yeah, he scheduled it for 7 a.m. That's horrible, Jimmy. It sounds like you should have gone to DaturaTrading.com before this got out of hand. Isn't that the place that used to be the Mystic Dream? Why would I go there? Because they sell the best ethically sourced crystals and minerals that can help with anything from stress management to werewolf evasion. Nah, crystals aren't really my thing. They also have specialty made candles, oils, incense, and bath and body products made with the finest of ingredients from all over the world by occultists who know their shit. You son of a bitch, I'm in. And don't forget about the rare and magical plants. They even participate in the Save Our Species program to help conserve endangered plant species from going extinct in the wild. Well, that's really nice, but why would I want a rare or magical plant? Why? To go inside that new cabinet you just finished, of course. Aha! Got it. Take that, you Scandinavian designer who doesn't like right angles. Wait, how did you know I was finished? Because I'm the narrator, Jimmy. I see everything. (laughs) I see... Everything. Don't forget to check the latest details at DaturaTrading.com. Sterling silver is on sale all holiday season. Werewolves hate silver, Jimmy. And remember, don't look at him in the eyes. That's how they steal the souls of your grandchildren. Bye bye Jimmy. Until wait, next wait. time. Can you help me lift this up? DaturaTrading.com, the home of esoteric essentials and beautiful design. Proud sponsor of Modern Witch. by the way i i it's it's a really neat cover it it's it's it kind of reminds me of like the wood cutting stuff um so what are you with this new book like what what is your 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 end game i keep saying end game today but i, I want to know like what what is the point of of this next book because with your first one you laid a lot of really wonderful groundwork for people and i know so many people have talked about how it's helped them in their practice online um what did you want to add to that discussion with your second book Mm-hmm. Well, so this book kind of came about because as I was writing the first one, I have a section in it about spirit flight, about hedge crossing and about the idea of the witch's Sabbath. And when I got my notes back from the editor, they were like, hey, this section's really interesting, but it's really large in comparison to other sections. Like, can you cut this down? And I was just aghast at that idea because it's like, how could I possibly cut this down? Um, and then I was just like, well, I'll just write a whole book about it then. Um, and really uh, what I come back to as the biggest script goal or the end game, as you would say for this book, um, is to create a bridge between the world of academia and modern witchcraft practice, um, the Witch's Sabbath is a very integral part of my craft. It's, again, I mean, it's it's really amazing and it speaks to me in so many ways, um, but it's not often talked about in, in modern witchcraft books or at least um, at length 
or, and specifically at length in terms of its historical development, a lot of that information is um, really only found in academic texts. And the things about, you know, the thing about those books are that they're pretty inaccessible, both just in terms of cost and language. Um, and I think as modern practitioners, we're often not looking outside the kind of um, bounds of like the new age, like, you know, in quotes section, like at Barnes and Noble or whatever. Um, we're not really looking outside of our specific section of books. And so we're missing, we're missing a lot of really great resources, um, specifically resources about the history of witchcraft that are maybe gonna be found in, in other sections. Um, and so there's, you know, there's, Quite a few. I mean, there's there's some books out there on the witches' Sabbath, um, but but I wanted to create something that's both that is both a historical and folkloric discussion, as well as how can we apply this today. Um, so I wanted to bring a lot of this really fascinating history and lore in into a place where people can access it, and. So with that, so they have access to the to this information and lore, which is fantastic. More of that, please. Um, so, what do you want them to do with it? So like, this is, I guess, what I'm scratching at. Like, what it, like, what, what do you want them to do with this information? Well, ideally, I think it would be great for people to go and visit the Sabbath themselves. And what? No, no, no. Witches uh, going to the to the witches. Excuse me. I think that. Um, I think it's something that would be really great for a lot of people to experience. Um, but outside of just the experiential part of it, I think it's sort of, um, you know, with this information, I hope that people are seeing that witchcraft has a lot more nuance. It has a lot more layers to it than maybe what we're often presented. Um, and specifically seeing how a lot of this history and this lore has directly impacted our modern practice, whether we realize it or not. Um, you know, it's one of the biggest things that I often see is, um, or maybe critiques that I get or people asking like, well, how can you use trial transcripts? How can you use confessional material? Because it's all just made up nonsense. Um, and to that, I'm like, well, where do you think the things you do come from? Like, right, where do absolutely. You think the idea of witchcraft comes from. It comes from those things. And of course, today it looks, um, you know, very different, I would say, depending upon your practice and who you are. Um, but, but we can follow this sort of developmental chain over time. Um, so I think what I'd really like if, you know, ideally would be, you know, people can go and have this experience for themselves, but also to just have a newer understanding of, of witchcraft as a whole. I absolutely, I, I think a lot of people too, when they, when they start to understand that quote unquote trad craft, like draws so much directly from the, the testimonials and the things like that. I think people, instantly go to Salem, like in their mind, especially here in the United States, because Salem, the Salem witch trials were obviously the, we all learn about them. Right. Um, but we didn't really, we only had a couple of witch trials here in the States. Like, well, well, it wasn't the States back then, but you know what I mean? We only had a couple of witch trials here in, in North America. Most of that shit happened overseas. And it was not a bunch of hysterical girls that were probably on ERGOT. You know what I mean? Like it was probably a bunch of, uh, it was a very different world. And um, I, one of the things I tell people is you're dealing with, with people who let's say, okay, they're being forced into a confession. Let's say that, that there's duress. Let's say all those things are real. Like that's, that's 1000% le a legitimate concern. Where did this stuff come from then? Because they had to have been exposed to it, right? Like they would have been exposed to this stuff through folk tales. They would have been exposed to this stuff through the stories and, and the things of the region. Right. And, and that's why, you know, the, the, witchcraft confessions that happened in Northern Europe were different from the ones that happened in Southern Europe. And, you know, because so many things were regional. Right. And so, and again, you know, if, if you're coming at it from a Christian standpoint, anything that isn't 
Jesus is bad, right? So it's like you're not supposed to talk to angels. So it, it, it's this thing of like, well, of course, like they're local. You know, the the person could have been uh, going out into the woods and leaving an offering for the local spirit that's been there for a thousand years and everybody knew about. But the local community, you know, now is going to point at that as the reason. Um, that this woman could be a witch. And then of course, you know, when she's going through or he or whoever, right, is going through their shit, they're going to say what they know, right? People don't just, people weren't writing sci-fi back then. This wasn't happening. So it's definitely like to say that the information that came out during that time isn't worth taking a look at and isn't worth investigating, especially from a spiritual perspective, especially when you're people who work with spirits, is just like amazing to me. Like I, I, I just think it's so bewildering and I just don't quite get it. It is, it is really bewildering to me. Um, and, and yeah, you're spot on. Um, you know, we know that a lot of confessions were, were given under duress, under torture. Um, I know sometimes it's people will popular will popularly point to to people like specifically think kind of about Isabel Gowdy and be like, well, she freely confessed. But even in those cases, uh, people were subjected to sleep deprivation um, and really harsh living conditions. And so, while it wasn't considered torture in the same sense that thumb screws were, um, it was still conditions under which people's mental health would have really rapidly declined. Um, so obviously we're not going to take these things at, at face value, um, but whether it was the confessor, um, you know, whether it was the person confessing or the interrogator, they're pulling they're pulling this imagery from from these different places, like you said, like whether those are local folk tales, whether that's something that they've maybe read or um, heard about somebody else confessing. Um, and so it's this pre-established folklore is pulled up and, you know, and in some cases, right, people kind of take their own relatively benign life experiences and then kind of in these confessions turn them into maybe something more fantastical. So this is how we, you know, go from having like sort of a festive, um, maybe like folk dance, which is now like turned into a diabolical Sabbath meeting. Um, But there's a lot of preservation of lore happening and new lore being created. And that lore then goes on over time to directly go into the modern revival of witchcraft. And a great example of this is the, you know, the Wiccan or the neo-pagan wheel of year, the idea of the Sabbaths as seasonal, you know, seasonal holidays celebrated by witches. I mean, all of that comes out of an evolution that goes back to the idea of the witch's Sabbath. Um, So if you are running around saying, you know, like, well, how dare you talk about this? How dare you, like, how could you possibly look at child transcripts and find them useful? But then you're also, you know, working with that wheel of year. I just have to scratch my head and be like, well, where do you think that comes from? Right, right. Well, and the other so there's that aspect of that too is like it's only I don't know 50 years old, 60 years old. The idea of the Sabbaths and the way that we understand them today, like that wasn't standard practice, you know. So no, no. and so I'll, so many of so many things are borrowed from those pieces of history that have withstood the test of time of all of those the witch's sabbath is 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 there at the top of it and familiar spirits are there at the top of it and these are the two things that always continuously come up over and over and over again no matter where you're at and this could be northern europe southern europe you could be talking about people in africa you could be talking about people in the states here and you know whatever these are the two things that come up over and over and over again it's even talked about in the fucking bible and so the idea of these these things being so it it, it grinds my gears Keldon, because i feel like so many witches who are people who are practicing today do not understand that like do not do not appreciate like the actual like we have a wealth of of historical data to draw from and and it maybe sound you know maybe it does sound a little cliche right maybe it does sound 
uh, a little whatever, but so does, you know, any aspect. I mean, you can look at any aspect for any religious tradition and say, that's oh, a little cliche, you know? Um, but in this case, when it comes to the idea of the witch's Sabbath, you know, it's always been there. There's something that is worth investigating. And so, you know, you writing this book, I, I, I love it. I am, I'm super excited that we've got content that focuses on this for everybody. It's it's a really important thing. I didn't get to devote a book to it. I wish I had been able to devote a book to it. Um, and I'll just warn people to your book, right? So with this, you you writing this Witch's Sabbath book, you're you're going through this experience. Did you find, like with me in the Witch's Book of Spirits, almost everything was channeled. Like, and even when I got to go and and do the work with the the, the spirits in the back of the book, that a dude went and created a religion over, which is, that's a whole weird, creepy thing. But even that part, like that was me going to spending heavy amounts of time in Sabbath and um, being able to meet these spirit allies and then, you know, presenting them to, to people. Did you have any experience like that? Like, did you have an ally come through from Sabbath that was like, Hey, you're writing about Sabbath <laughs> and I'm going to be here for that. Did you have any like friends pop up that you, you hadn't had before? Um. I wouldn't say necessarily friends that I haven't had before. It was sort of, again, sort of the same collective group. Um, I will say that, um, you know, part of my acknowledgement for, you know, the the people who were accused of witchcraft, who were executed, um, that I talk about in the book, there was this, this sense of I need, I need to do something for them. Um, And so in the book, it's this appendix, it's this list of all of their names and then the date that they were tried or executed, if it's known. Um, I mean, part of that is just organizational. I mean, it helps that you can kind of flip to it at the end and, you know, see these different people talked about. But for me, it was also a way of honoring them, of having their names um, be put out there um, and actually the, the appendix that I have created digitally goes beyond that. Um, you know, it, it, it gives their name, the place that they were born. If again, if no, and like only when details are known, but the place they were born, the place they were tried or executed, if different, the date they were tried or executed, how they were executed, if they were, if they were implicated by other people, um, because I just I felt like it's important for these for these people's stories to be known and for people to see them as as people too. Like these aren't just pieces of you know folklore tidbits. Like these are people that were once alive and went through something. Um, so that was you know that was kind of a part that I guess kind of came through was like, hey, you need to you need to do something nice for them. So. I love that. I love it. I absolutely love it. I know uh, Storm has a ritual that uh, we adapted for uh, uh, working at PantheaCon one year where we go, we went to hell and took uh, five souls with us back. There's huge working with the people who were convicted of witchcraft and killed. Um, and it was a really powerful experience of just going and been, you know, relieving that taking those spirits back up and and letting them be free and it was something that was like is this is this our work is like this something we should do um but we you know checked in and every all the all of our spirits were saying yep these these poor people are being tortured because of you know this thing and and uh, the way the afterlife works and the mind and where the mind is at and we went, holy shit. It was very powerful working. It's very powerful working, but it was something that was like super fucking intense. Right. Like, and it was definitely not something I would tell anybody to go just do off on themselves. And um, so any work that is created that helps to honor and help people, right. Who, who went through something so horrible. I mean, that's that to me, that's this, that's the, the thing that sticks with me at the end of the day, right. Is like what these poor people had to go through, I mean, listen to what they said, just listen to what they said. Right. And knowing what they went through and you, you know, okay. So maybe it was, you know, a little uh, under duress and maybe it was something that 
Um, obviously we can't take it face value necessarily, but we can take it understanding the context in which it was given. Right. And I think there's something spiritual about that. I think there's something, you know, um, powerful as we might say, <laughs> um, about that. And I, I love that, that you have that in there. I really do. I think that that's going to be something that, you know, people are always like, well, I don't know what to do. I've been practicing for so long and I don't know what to do. Well, go help somebody. Right. And if you don't know anybody to help, Hey, there are some dead people you can help, you know, like, I think that's a really beautiful thing. And it also restores the idea of, of again, our, our heritage as right. witches. And that's, and that's, you know, just to circle back, like, that's a big thing is when, you know, I've had people say like, you know, it's so disrespectful of you to talk about these people as if they were actual witches. And I'm always, you know, I'm always conscientious of writing, you know, this is an accused witch. Like this is not a witch. This is somebody who was accused of witchcraft. Um, but, you know, it's it's disrespectful that I would talk about these confessions and then talk about maybe ways of building practice around them. But I see it the other way. I think to deny the the impact that those confessions have had on modern witchcraft is much more disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's our baggage. Like we have to own it. I, there's no getting around it. There's no I mean, you can't say the word witch and people not instantly think about that. Like it, it, there's no no differentiating us from that. And at least from the a normal, you know, a non a non witchy kind of perspective, people just don't do that. So, it's you know, it, it is it's part of our history. And as you said, you know, it's a big part of the the things that were developed later on in in, in time that we ended up building a lot of the modern practices off of. Um, it, it's totally there. There's you know the the influence is unavoidable, and so to deny. A, their influence, you know, to deny, to deny them their place in our history as just modern witches, I think is bullshit because it does absolutely negate the contribution they unwillingly ended up giving, right, to the formation of modern witchcraft. Um, but it also, it denies that there is a historical stigma that comes with being a witch. And it also is a very privileged position, I think, because uh, just 20 years ago, people were being thrown in jail because they were, you know, accused of occult crimes and in Africa and in parts of, of Asia, people are being put to death to this day for practice, for, for being accused of, of practicing witchcraft. And so we can't, to, I think it's just such a privileged position to be like, oh, the burning times get over it. Like, and cause I'm one of those people like, don't say you're the granddaughter. Like I'm, I'm totally that guy, like get over it. But I am, not here for the denial of our very real baggage as a, as modern witches. Right. Well, and that, I mean, that's just it is I think that um, there are a lot of people that, you know, and, and maybe it's because like they're just at that point in their journey or with the resources that they have access to, or that they're, um, you know, reading where like they're, they're, they're only reading certain versions of history, um, you know, so I'm not trying to completely shit on people, um, but I think that there are still a lot of people who have this idea um, of witchcraft um, specifically, you know, this is, this is something that came up quite recently where um, people were mad because I had talked about how witchcraft as we know it really kind of stems out of in response to Christianity and people were very mad um, because well but it's true what about witchcraft that existed before Christianity um, and I think that really unfolded a, a rich conversation about how um, sort of the the conflation of basically any magical practice and witchcraft. And we know that not all magical practices are witchcraft. Um, and I think people also tend to point to the classical world. So they'll say, well, what about, you know, the witches in, in Rome and in Greece? But um, it still was not a good thing to be a witch even back then. I think, again, people are often conflating like temple priests and priestesses as witches. And again, those aren't necessarily the same thing. Um, so really being a witch historically was never a good thing. It was never something you wanted necessarily to be or for people to think of you as. 
um, that doesn't that does not come until our modern time um, when we can reclaim it when it, it can be something right that, we can reclaim yeah. it yeah. Um, no I mean it's true and that's why like um, when I was writing the witch's book of power and I start talking you know right there like, yeah. I start talking right about in the beginning and and saying that like the word witch means something to everybody like a different thing to everybody and so we can't you know like if i say if if we were to translate the word witch into spanish it doesn't mean the same thing it no longer has the same you know uh, context that it has for us as english speakers and it's same thing with any language and so by the time all of this shit happens right and for us as english speakers we're just going to look at something and go okay that's magic that's witchcraft that's the occult and other cultures would not at all look at it like that. And so we, you know, when you think of like ancient Egypt and the, the witches and the people practicing magic in ancient Egypt, it was, they weren't witches, like in the way that we are witches. Um, again, that's, I think it is part of our heritage, you know, because it's part of the history we're taking on that mantle, you know, today. Um, but no, it was a way of life and, and there everybody. And so in our definition, we'd be like, well, everybody would be a witch at that point then, right? Like everybody's going to the temples, everyone's leaving offerings, everyone's, uh, making, uh, clay pots and writing their, you know, their enemy's name on them and smashing them and doing all like, this was common practice. This is just what you did. And so it wasn't really until we get that big drive in Western culture um and you know and the languages started to settle that that we can look at something and and the way i think in the in our western culture we have a very specific idea of what a witch is like historically right like it's usually an old woman uh in the woods or it's the green face thing and the green face thing is is related to death and that's like a whole other fucking deal to thing to deal with but it's this idea that we have a very limited view of what witchcraft is, but at the same time, because of the way that our language works, we have a very broad um, umbrella that a lot of things get chucked into. And, you know, and a lot of us will say, oh, well, you know, my aunt's, my aunt calls herself a psychic, but she's really a witch. You know, we have a lot of that kind of shit that goes on. And, and that again is coming from like this kind of Western privilege. Like, like that is not necessarily something that would happen in another culture. And so when we break into it, um, it doesn't look the same. I mean, even, even the traditions that exist that we would consider to be witchcraft, like in, like in Romania, like the Romanian witches right now are very, very popular. They're very uh, well written about right now because they're, they're a big part of the culture there. And even that work is Catholic. Like they don't consider themselves witches. We are the ones calling them witches. And so it's a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting point you make there. Cause I think that we tend to jump into this very, I hate to say it, but like very white, you know, colonizing kind of, of, of perspective where everything is, it can just be thrown into our basket of witchcraft. And that isn't necessarily what's up. And I think that we lose so much, actual energy and power and and um uh, just validity that can come with actually going and studying magical traditions that you know if you say i mean it's funny because in a lot of these places and a lot of these traditions you say you're a witch and they don't want anything to do with you they want nothing to do with you they will not teach you their, their magic right uh, because to them witch is a very dark thing it is not something that you want to be it's only like you like you were saying it's only really here that it's become um and, and, and recently that has become something that we can reclaim and we can take power from in the same way, but that is not the way it works elsewhere, right? That is a very 2022 kind of thing. And um, it's, and it's important to remember that it really truly is. And then to apply that to, you know, the shit you're reading about, right. Especially when we are talking about, uh, you know, studying something that's, you know, somebody wrote about 200 years ago or 300 years ago, or even 50 years ago, and just understanding that we have a very different approach now. And I, and I like our approach now. I think, I think it's way better <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, but we have a very different approach now to um, understanding how this works. And I, I think it's really important not to, take something like a confession that was, you know, being given at a, you know, during a witchcraft trial and think of it as any less insightful than something like 
the like uh i don't want to say the key of solomon because that there's like there's some shit about that so i can't say that but but you know something along the lines of like a, a folk spell that that we know you know has been around for a long time like it's the same they came from the same places they they were generated by the same people right um and that's a really important distinction to make kill yes i am very passionate about you know, about remembering those things, because ultimately, right, when we are, when we're labeling other people, when we're labeling other cultural practices, um, and, and we're sort of trying to shoehorn them into, you know, into our terminology, I mean, that's just disrespectful, and it's cultural erasure. Oh, we well. I mean, that's a whole thing in and of itself. That's like a whole other podcast. Oh my god! But it absolutely is. I mean, that's just—it's it, a lot about. I mean, we can again, we can overthink things, but we can also just be very practical about them. And I think that um, obviously, you know, we're not going to look at everything and just duplicate it. Like I, I'm working on a a project right now about the worst magical advice that's given throughout history. And um, there are things that like people that was just like there are practices that people just accepted like asbestos. Like there are plenty of things where asbestos is in, is in spells like people are as an ingredient like we wouldn't fucking do that today. Like, hell no. But back then it was just something that because asbestos was like it was new, you know, and so it, it's just it's interesting that like, you know, again, shit evolves. We know better. Right. We look back on things and um we, and I think the glory is that we get to do better, right? And we get to absolutely do better than the people who came before us. But at the same time, um, it doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't do it all, you know? And, we, and that's my thing. It's like, no, just do it better, do it wiser, um, do it with the right intentions, right? Like no matter what it is that you're doing, if you know that there's a problem here, fix it, right? Like that's what you do. You don't give up, you fix it. And it may mean that think shit gets really changed around and it doesn't look the way that you thought it was going to look. And, and you may lose your interest in it because, you, you know, the way it was fixed, but you can fix it. And that's what it's about. And I think that um, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're practicing, we have it, it easy nowadays. Like we just do information is everywhere. Like we, we, you don't get a, you don't get a free pass anymore with, with not knowing um, or, 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 you know, doing something out of uh, um, the context or, or taking something out of context. Like you don't get a free pass in the same way that you used to. And I, I do got to say, I love that about the internet. Like the internet's going to tell you um, if you're talking about it, you know, the internet is going to come up and let you know um, if your take is not hot. And, um, and I, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing. I will say that, you know, it obviously has its bad things. And if you listen to the show, I've, we've talked, we've gone on about it ad nauseum, but the flip side of it is the good thing is you, you have access to information, right? Like you do, you get to go look shit up. You, you get to go make your own observations and you get to take away whatever it is that you want to take away from it. But I think when it comes to trad craft and it comes to, the practices and the things surrounding it and, and like this, like going to the witch's Sabbath, that is something that we all inherit. We all get that. And, and it's our baggage. It's for the good and the bad, you know, but I hate to tell you, but oh my gosh, witchcraft is full of so much baggage. Um, are you new here? Like what, why did you want to be a witch? Like that's my, that always trips me out. Like I just don't get that take. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there is. There's a lot of things within our within our history, um, and and within our folkloric heritage, right? So, so the things that might not necessarily ever have been fact, but have still influenced us. They're part of our folklore that are gross, that are barbaric, um, and and we have to contend with that. We have to we have to reconcile with that and how does that, you know, how does that impact us? What do we do with that? Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's just pretend that it's not a thing um, to write it off um, and then to get mad when somebody does talk about it. Yeah. Oh goodness. You just put the nail on the head on that one. Um, okay. So <laughs> we're going to sound like a bunch of old men here in a minute. So we better get off our lawn. Um, so you are, you, you took some time off, which I 1000% support. I think everybody needs to take some time off because, oh my God, we're all doing so much and the world is, is a very strange place right now. Um, 
but so it's good to have you back. Like it's good to have you back and, and, and producing and creating content. It's a really wonderful thing. If, and you know, again, everyone, if you're, if you listen to the show, you know, everything about Kelvin and how to get a hold of him is in the show notes, but where can people like, where are you drawing people's attention right now? Like when it comes to what it is that you're producing? Yeah, I mean, the primary place that people can find me is on Instagram at Keldon Mercury. Um, that's usually where I am operating. Um, otherwise, on YouTube, which is also under Keldon Mercury, um, you can find me there as well, making the occasional video. Well, fantastic. Fan- fantastic. Absolutely. I, too, I, I kind of hate Instagram. I'm trying to like Instagram again. Um, but I kind of started to hate Instagram. So what, what is it about Instagram that like makes you like it? I'm like, somebody sell me on Instagram, I guess is what I'm trying to do. For me, it's just, I feel like everything's kind of in one place. Like I can message people. Um, I can, you know, post short stories, um, you know, like, you know, your story feature, um, people can ask me questions. Um, I can post fun pictures if I want to, or I can do none of that and just ignore it for months at a time. Oh, I feel that. I've done that. I like that. <laughs> All right, Keldon, thank you so much for taking the time out and, and rescheduling with me. I, I really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Modern Witch Podcast. I will be seeing you next week with a whole new episode So make sure you like and subscribe. And I just want to say lots of love out there to everybody who has been talking about the show on social media. It is so fun to engage you. It is so fun to hear your thoughts. It is so fun to actually have listeners that give like, I don't know, their thoughts on what we're talking about over here on the show. It's just pretty cool. So thank you so much. Make sure you at me. Uh, My socials are down below in the show notes. Um, Okay. Anyway. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. And uh, don't forget to check out Horticulture. Tickets are still available. Once again, you can find all of this over at modernwitch.com. See you next week. There are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces.